I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. A new class of immunotherapies is promising to radically alter the treatment of cancers and has generated excitement among investors for their groundbreaking potential. Now, the Lungcar Cancer Immunotherapy ETF provides a way for investors to bet on the sector through an exchange-traded fund that consists of both big pharma and emerging growth biotechs leading the sector. We spoke to Brad Lungcar, CEO of Lungcar Investments and creator of the ETF, about the fund why the focus on this narrow slice of the biotech world, and why he thinks immunotherapies will dramatically reshape cancer care in the years ahead. Brad, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. We're going to discuss the new Lonkar Cancer Immunotherapy ETF based on the Lone Car Cancer Immunotherapy Index. Let's start with cancer immunotherapy itself, which has ignited a lot of excitement among drug companies, doctors, and investors. These are a new class of drugs that either activate the immune system to fight cancer or prevent the cancer from masking itself from the immune system, making it vulnerable to it. How big a change is this in the way we treat cancer, and why has it generated so much excitement? Sure. Well, there's a couple of things. So, you know, I think everybody out there is pretty much familiar with chemotherapies, which when you take them kind of affect the whole body and in a lot of cases are very toxic. And the immune system uh, is natural and, and can adapt and can learn. And so if you can harness it, uh, the theory is that it can be a more powerful and long-lasting way to treat the disease. And another thing that's interesting about what's going on right now, so the history of cancer research uh, for many types of cancers, if not most, has been very incremental. Uh, you know, a drug would come along and it would extend people's lives maybe a few months. And then the next drug would come along and maybe do a couple of months more. And over time, that added up to a lot. Um, but while it was happening, it felt very incremental. And I think what you're seeing with these cancer immunotherapies, uh, there have already been a, a couple that have been approved and are on the market now. And I, I think there's a groundswell of others that are in clinical trials right now and will be coming in the future. And what we're seeing in the, at least the early trials for many of them is that they're not incremental improvements. Uh, in, in many cases, in some very late-stage refractory-type cancers, uh, the results that you're seeing are unlike anything that uh, researchers have seen before, at least for, for some specific types of cancers. So for that reason, it's very exciting. Well, what was the thought when you initially set out to create the immunotherapy index? Why, why immunotherapy as opposed to an oncology index? What were you hoping to capture? Sure. So I think immunotherapy is going to be a big trend that 
radically changes cancer over the next 10 years. Uh, I, I think it's an interesting emerging technology that's kind of sitting on an inflection point right now. And one reason why I created this index specifically, but kind of a, a unique specific biotech index in general is because a lot of people, especially people outside of biotechnology, kind of view biotech as one thing. You know, 20 years ago, uh, at least I thought of technology as one thing. And as uh, technology matured in the time since, you don't think of it that way. You think of technology as semiconductors and cybersecurity and telecom equipment and all of these different unique businesses that are valued differently by investors, have different multiples, have different business models, and are, in some cases, uh, drastically unalike. And I think that the reality of biotech is the same. And, and I think over in the future, it's going to be more pronounced. And so if you're interested in kind of following how something like cancer immunotherapy is progressing, you can't just look at the broad biotech index because that includes a lot of different business models. Uh, a rare disease business model is completely different than an oncology business model. And so I wanted to start tracking them separately uh, because I think there's some value in learning how those individual businesses are progressing. And so to me, cancer immunotherapy is the most exciting science uh, that's happening right now. And I think it's going to have the biggest impact on its area. And so that's the one I chose as my first index. Well, walk me through the criteria that you use for including a company in the index. Sure. So the index is broken up into two different categories. The first is what I call kind of the big pharma immunotherapy leaders. Um, so first of all, there will always be 30 companies. And the way uh, we're breaking it up into those two categories is we'll always have seven from that large pharma immunotherapy leader category. And these are the names that are bringing these drugs to market now and are the, the leaders, especially in the checkpoint class of drugs. It's, uh, you know, Bristol-Myers has Opvivo and Merck has Keytruda and AstraZeneca's Metamune uh, division has a lot of combination, they're not on the market yet, but they have a lot of combination trials going with their drugs. And then Novartis is a leader in CAR T and some other types of therapies. So we've taken kind of the, the top seven big guys and put them in a category. And then underneath those, we have 23 of what you'd more classically consider your young uh, uh, biotech companies that are working on second and third generation type things. These are uh, Juno Therapeutics and Kite in the CAR-T space and, uh, you know, companies like that that, uh, you know, biotech people are very familiar with, but uh, maybe, you know, people outside of biotech are just kind of learning about them for the first time because those medicines haven't made it to market yet. And from a percentage of holdings, if you were to break it down into big versus small or value versus growth, how, how does that break down? Yeah, so it's about 70% of the smaller growth versus 30% of the large ones. And we have, there's a couple of ways that index providers can weight their indices. 
And I've chosen what's called an equal weighting strategy. And so what that means, in my case, we do the equal weighting uh, semi-annually, so every six months. So every six months, uh, this will happen uh, next in December, all 30 companies are reset to the same weight. So since it's 30, it'll be 3.33% of the portfolio. And then over that time, uh, they, depending on how each stock, you know, goes up or down, the, the ones that go up, uh, the weightings will naturally increase and the ones that go down, the weightings will naturally decrease. And the reason that we chose that equal weighting strategy, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, we, we think that both large and small companies will make contributions to cancer immunotherapy and we wanted that to be reflected in the index, and because it's equal weight, a small company can move the index just as much as a big one. And that's a little different than how some biotech indices are, are designed. So, for example, the most popular biotech index, or at least the one that's mentioned and quoted the most, is the NASDAQ Biotechnology Index. And that's what's called market cap weighting. So... If a, a company with a $30 billion market cap is in that index and a company with a $1 billion market cap is in that index, the one with the $30 billion will be weighted 30 times more than the smaller one. And the problem with that, and a lot of people don't realize this, um, so in that NASDAQ Biotech Index, the top five holdings are like 40% of the index. And then the bottom 120-some holdings are... 60%. So it's dominated by just a handful of holdings. So I didn't want to do that in this case because if the if we weighted it by market cap, those large companies would dominate the entire index and it wouldn't be a credible measure of cancer immunotherapy. Well, I imagine one of the challenges for the immunotherapy index or ETF is that when it comes to some of the most significant players in this area right now, they are the, the large cap big bio or big pharma companies that are far from being pure plays. These are complex companies that will see their values rise and fall for many reasons, having nothing to do with their immunotherapies. Was this part of wrestling with the issue of how to structure the, the ETF and how to balance that portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's a few points uh, I'd like to make on that. So, um, the big guys, as I mentioned, are about 30% of the portfolio. So again, they don't, dominate the index in this case, but their contributions to the industry are significant enough that they deserve to be included in there. You know, people, some people have asked me, why did you put big companies in there at all? And the reason is, you wouldn't have a credible immunotherapy index if you didn't have Optiva and Keytruda and some of those other uh, foundational drugs that are, that are out there now. Uh, so that, that's, um, that's one part of it. And, um, another thing is, uh, we, uh, the, the immune, the large cap companies that are in there, the ones that we've chosen are leaders in this space and they, they, their future growth is absolutely tied to these immunotherapy drugs in a big way. You know, if you talk to Ken Frazier at Merck and you ask him, what is the single most important asset 
for you over the next five or ten years, he would tell you Keytruda and the you know the other drugs and combos that will follow on from that. Uh, AstraZeneca is another good example. You know, uh, Pfizer tried to buy AstraZeneca last year, and a big reason they tried to do that was for their immunotherapy portfolio, which at the time Pfizer was a little weak on. And so these companies are going to have big contribution to the immunotherapy sector. So we have a, about a 30% weighting of them, and, and I think that's appropriate amount of exposure to them. And the concept of the index is that on any given day, you're right, a stock will be moving based off of various factors. But the, the theory behind doing an index is if you have, like in our case, 30 of them that share a, a specific trait, over time, the on a macro level, the index itself will move based off of that trait. Um, it, it, it's, its move will be heavily influenced based off of that trait. Well, as this field advances, what do you think will be the critical issue shaping it? Are they, are they going to be the biggest challenge is going to be scientific or are they going to be policy? I think scientific. Um, I know there's a big drug pricing debate going on right now. You know, I think uh, medicines should be priced based on the value that they bring to society. And in this case, these are the innovators that are trying to change the course of cancer. And if they're able to do that, that's going to provide tremendous value to the system, to society, and not just in this country, but all over the globe. And so the most important thing always is the science. And if that comes through, then I, I, I think that, uh, you know, the economics of it will work out. Um, Another thing that I, I'm focused on is a lot of these immunotherapy technologies are in their early days. Um, for example, there's a lot of excitement around the CAR-T technology. But what we've seen so far is that uh, they've really been tested in what's considered the low-hanging fruit for this type of technology, which is certain types of blood cancers like ALL and CLL and some of the others that highly express uh, a protein called CD19. And these companies have huge valuations because uh, their initial trials in these blood cancers have been amazing. Uh, but one thing that's really important is not only for this technology, but other types of immunotherapies to work in a broad range of, of cancers. So in, in the case of CAR-T, you want to see if they're going to be able to translate the success they've had in blood cancers into solid tumors. And so just by nature of the fact that we're in the early stages of testing many of these, uh, we don't know the answers uh, yet. There's going to be a lot of you know, trials and things learned from that, and uh, that, that's going to take time uh, to progress and, and see how it all plays out. Well, the benefit of an ETF is that as, as an investor, you don't have to worry about picking winners, as it were. You're, you're betting on a sector. As a biotech investor, though, I'm wondering if you do have picks in the sector you like. What do you find the most compelling companies in the sector today? So I, I uh, like the big guys. I'm a big fan of talking about, like, Bristol and Merck because those checkpoints you know, people outside of biotech, I don't think they realize just how important those medicines are going to be 
just to cancer and healthcare in general. I, I heard a statistic the other day. I don't know where it came from or if it's exactly true. I heard it spoken at a conference that in the clinicaltrials.gov database right now, 50% of new cancer trials have some sort of immunotherapy component, which is just amazing. And what that's uh, reflective of is that these checkpoints are going to be used in combination with almost everything. They are going to be the foundation of care. And I just think that these are such significant medicines uh, and it's such an interesting time to be following this. So those are the ones that, that I'm most focused on because I just think they're going to be used so widely. And are there other segments that you're looking at for possible ETFs? Does this serve, as it were, a, a proof of concept? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, until you put something out in the market, you don't know, like any other business, uh, you don't know how it'll be received. Uh, so the index has been out there since March, uh, and we've had great feedback, great press coverage uh, of that, and, and investors have you know, given us great comments. And the ETF uh, that's based off the index was launched just a week ago, and that seems to be going very well compared to other ETF launches. So, so far so good, but it's still very early. Uh, but if it, you know, over time, if it does prove to be a success, absolutely. I, I think there's a lot of ways that you can kind of, um, you know, take biotech and repackage it um, and make it a little more understandable and approachable for people. So some of the areas that I think are interesting, uh, gene therapy, I think is a very interesting one. I think it'd be a little too early to do that right now, but maybe a year from now when some more uh, trial results have come out and once the CRISPR technology is in the clinic, which a lot of people are excited about, just, um, you know, genetic-based therapies, uh, I think would make for a very interesting one. I'm a big fan of rare diseases, too. I, you know, I, my philosophy as a biotech investor is that you have to invest in those things that have the biggest impact on patients' lives. And to me, that's the rare disease space. These are things like Duchenne muscular dystrophy and uh, just it, rare diseases like that where uh, it's, you can have a big impact on uh, the quality of life. And, and in some cases, these are, um, you know, very serious diseases. Um, so I like rare disease companies because they're having a big impact on patients. So those are two that I've circled right now. Brad Lankar, CEO of Lankar Investments and creator of the Lankar Cancer Immunotherapy ETF, which trades under the ticker CNCR. Brad, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. For BioReport listeners in the Bay Area, I wanted to extend an invitation to join me November 2nd at 5.30 p.m. at Byers Auditorium at UCSF's Mission Bay campus for a discussion about the legacy of the Orphan Drug Act and what it's achieved. I'll be moderating a panel with Robert Baffey of BioMarin, Kay Holcomb of Bio, and Emil Kakis of Ultragenics. The event is organized by the Life Sciences Foundation. To register, go to odalegacy.eventbrite.com. That's odalegacy.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, 
subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.